0: Welcome to the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well on what is turning out to be a very busy Sunday morning for
1: acquisitions and trades around baseball. I mean, we have made, what, five adjustments to the Mm -hmm. rundown in the last 10 minutes?
0: Yeah, we're actually kind of lucky. You had to start like about an hour later than uh, we normally do. And had you not, we would have been like just doing the breaking news little thing. (laughs) every two minutes because in the last few minutes we've had i think three or four trades uh go down in major league baseball and the deadline's tomorrow so it's like this isn't even like the deadline stuff paul and i'll still have a ton of stuff to cover on tuesday but uh between now trades and fab and just general news uh yeah we've got just a crap ton to cover right now
1: yeah i was uh Advance alert. I was on the uh, HQ podcast with Patrick Mm -hmm. Davitt, so that'll be dropping, I think, Friday. Uh, So you'll get to hear on why we're recording this a little late, but it worked out well. Uh, So we have uh, plenty to now talk about uh, and some of the impacts as baseball tries to uh, get things wrapped up before the trade deadline.
0: And we're going to get to a bunch of those uh, trade talks, uh, but let's start off with some closer news. I think Paul and Jason Martinez uh, talked about this on uh on thursday but uh joe jimenez is out as the detroit closer greg soto got the save last night i know you're a big greg soto guy and so that's why i wanted to talk about this uh how much how much are you going to put towards fab if you need closers in uh either al or mixed leagues at this point
1: uh, I'm buying, cause that's a category you can move and you can make some movement in. So I am paying for, if, if these guys come up, I'm paying for it. Uh, it hurts being labored cause I had Soto and I had to cut him a couple of weeks ago due to some roster machinations and that hurts. Uh, but I have Soto in other leagues and I have Jose Cisnero. So I'm like, I'm not sure. Like I, I believe that Soto got it last night cause Cisnero had pitched the night before. Uh, I don't know which way it's going to go, but because Soto has been working like seventh and eighth, and so was Cisnero. Uh, I cut I cut bait on Jimenez uh, a week ago, and I put Cisnero in for him. So I was a week ahead of this because I was like, "Yeah, this is over." I mean, the five saves was fun, but the ratios were just a disaster, and he had to get lost. So it's nice they had uh, they made the move uh, to get that done.
0: Yeah, I think it'll probably be a committee of sorts. Uh, I mean, Soto's just the best pitcher in that bullpen right now. And so I think he's obviously the guy you want him being the lefty hurts a little bit, but they do have two other lefties in that pen. So if they end up wanting to just go to soda full time, I think they have that ability, uh, but it, it's going to be hard. Cause uh, we're going to also talk about uh, Richard Rodriguez later in the show. It's like, how many saves are you really going to get out of the Tigers rest of the way that that becomes the more difficult question. Indeed. Indeed. Could be could be two, could be three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it moves the needle. It's I mean, take a look
1: at your take a look at the, the categories in your league. I mean, we we make jokes about this, but you know, take a look at the categories in your leagues and see where things are. I mean, I'll i pull up because I made a trade for Brad Hand and, and Labor, but the saves category Larry Schechter's running away with it. he has twenty-two saves, but then here's the rest of it: 13, two teams at 11, 10, two teams at nine, eight, seven, five. It's like that and then there's two and one. But like anywhere from the seven, there's half over half the league bunched up within six saves. So it's like that's an area where the needle moves. And if you can make a make an acquisition there, you're like, all right, let's go ahead and do it. Uh so yeah, we joke around about two or
0: three saves, but two or three
1: saves could win your league.
0: Yeah, and that is the that is the truth right there. Cause I know like in one of my main events, you know, I'm way out of fret in, in saves. But in the other one like, we're middle of the pack, and I think we've got 13 saves, and there's, like, three or four guys who has, you know, in between, uh, you know, 12 and 15 saves. It's like, that can move us three or four points in the league, which is going to be huge. So, uh, yeah, I think you, you just have to be aggressive on on him. Uh, the question is, too, <laughs> another team in the division, we've got Trevor Rosenthal gets traded to San Diego for Edward Oliveras. Who closes in Kansas City? Is this another committee situation, or <clears throat> is uh, there a guy that stands out to you?
1: Uh, good point, uh, because the uh, even this morning, the uh, look at the there's a tweet uh, reporter about Mike Matheny about who's going to close. He's like maybe Greg Holland, maybe Jesse Hahn, mm-hmm. maybe Scott Barlow, maybe Josh Damont I don't know. <laughs> it's like great, thanks. <laughs> uh, I mean, but if this was a pure stuff argument, we know it's Josh Damont I mean, the guy's just been throwing gas and uh, my favorite stat with him right now though like he still has walk issues too his his whip is 1.32 which is exactly double his 0.66 ERA mm-hmm. uh Yeah, that's the thing is, but he's striking on so many guys, the walks like, yeah, whatever. Honestly, but pure stuff wise, it would be his job. But I mean, this is Mike Matheny. They could just give it to Greg Holland because Greg Holland has had the job before or Greg Holland could be traded during this podcast. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, we don't know. Or Jesse Hahn. Yeah, the curveball has always been a thing. I mean, Jesse Hahn was a former Rays prospect uh, has moved around the league. You know, he's pitched with um, Oakland, with San Diego, Uh, And now he's healthy, but he's had a ton of arm problems. Uh, Now he's back and looked good yesterday. The curveball has always been a great pitch for him. And that was a good pitch. But yeah, it could be anybody. But again, we're talking about three saves. Uh, But we would hope that it's the same guy. Uh, and that, and that's what would hold true is they they were given the job to the same guy. They gave it to Rosenthal, uh, and he did his job before he got traded, which was a, a great trade for them to take a guy they picked up off the street and turn him into Edward Olivares, who could be an everyday outfielder for them. Uh, you know, this is the second time they've made a deal with San Diego to get somebody. Hopefully, it's, it, they get more production than they got out of Franchi Cordero before he got hurt, um, but love this trade uh for Kansas City from a, a baseball perspective and yeah this is the kind of trades they should be making they've got different options um we just would like Mike the to nail down and say that's going to be my guy so you may have to spread your risk cuz Jesse Hahn's probably out there for the taking uh and mostly even and Greg Holland but take a shot see which one does it and then you can cut him next week if he if he didn't have the job this
0: week and uh, apparently uh there are members of the Royals organization that are pretty high on Oliveras. He is in the the alternative uh training site uh, right now, but uh their hitting coach Rusty Kunz uh was uh very very interested in obtaining him and actually suggested that that's who they trade for if they traded with San Diego. And that gave me the opportunity to say Rusty Kunz. Uh,
1: yeah, I was just going to
0: say you just wanted to read that news bit just for the <laughs> name. That's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the only reason I did that. Uh, another trade uh, we've got Gerard Dyson uh, went to the White Sox earlier this week. Is he gonna get enough playing time in Chicago to matter at all? Even an AL only. Mm,
1: yes. Well I think here's the thing is he he becomes in an AL only, just looking going back to what I was talking about with saves, apply it to Steel. So let's let me talk about the Steel's perspective in labor. Somebody's running away with 26 steals. There are two teams at 19, two teams at 18, 16, 15, 14, three teams at 13. Now, Dyson, just in a pinch running capability, it's like, OK, Edwin Encarnacion, as he normally does, starts heating up in the second and third month of the season. Last that bad, he gets on base, you pinch run for him with Dyson. Dyson steals a base. Like, Dyson could have five steals the rest of the way, even if he doesn't play every day. He's just in a pinch running capability. He could have five steals. That moves the needle. So in an AL only format, he doesn't have to play enough to run. Now here's the thing the White Sox are next to last. They have eight steals as an entire team. Mm-hmm. Eight. They're tied with the Cardinals, who have played uh who have a lot fewer games played and then the Twins who just don't run because they don't want to give out the outs. But between the White Sox and Twins combined have 15 stolen bases. Wow. The Mariners have 37. Uh, those teams aren't even running. So it's like, if you try to look at tendency, the White Sox just aren't built like that. Cause they're, you know, they're a softball team. Uh, and, and, the, and twins are as well, but this gives them that weapon they can use in late innings and say, okay, like, here's, here's the thing. Let's say, and I don't know how often it plays out. Let's say you're in a two, two game and you have two outs in a ninth inning and you, and you have like the bottom of the ninth inning, you pinch hit with Jared Dyson who's probably going to get out anyhow, but now in extra innings, he's now the leadoff runner at second base in the 10th inning. He can score in anything. You know, <laughs> it's like you you have, they, they've got a tool they can play with here and mm-hmm. he can still run and steal bases. And so like for me, it, the White Sox have eight steals. He's going to move the needle here. And in an AL only format, I'm going to bid on him. He's in my tout strategy because in tout, my offense is so ungodly bad because of all the injuries and even, you know, uh, like, Andrew Hart not panning out, so, and I you know, I pay I dollars 86 for Cordero. He gets hurt. It's like I have punted everything but steals. I'm going to bid on Jared Dyson and throw him in my lineup because he can move the needle for me in steals as I try to get to 60 points in talent. I don't care about him not playing because I'm not going to make up those points. I can't do it. Anymore.
0: Anyhow, but he can move the needle in steals, and that's where I need him. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's mixed league worthy really in any format. Oh, God. So, uh, no way. We'll, we'll just We'll move on. <laughs> Uh, talk about uh, Franklin Barreto, my old uh, buddy, <laughs> who's just never been able to get playing time uh, <laughs> since being traded to Oakland. Has now been traded to uh, the Angels, where he will still not get any playing time. Uh, but he was traded for Tommy Listella, which is an interesting. I thought he was like Madden's boy, so I'm I'm surprised that they were willing to jettison him out. Uh, what are your thoughts on this trade? Are either these guys interesting, interested to in you?
1: Um, no. I mean, well, Listella moving, it depends. I mean, he should be hitting, uh, trying to look at the lineup because – I mean, Oakland's done well. The, the crazy thing to me is Oakland's done well and Marcus Simeon's hit leadoff and he's not doing his, – mm-hmm. his production has been way down uh, in that role. And yet they have the second-best record in the American League. And so and to me, it's like I would like to see Listella just leading off and Simeon move down the lineup uh, right now. I'd even go with a Simeon, uh with a uh, Lestella Grossman and then put Simeon down and let him hit his way back up. But his his OBP has been terrible. Uh, and so I'd like Lestella – I'd like the move here – uh, not like not like Lestella was having uh, any issues with with run support behind him in in LA but I think this helps this helps the guys behind Lestella like uh, Piscotty and the Mats uh, this should help him with with Lestella being on base in front of them cuz that helps with their production so I'd like it from that perspective I don't think it changes Lestella the player I think it helps the guys behind him more um, with Barreto, it gives him a chance to play to see if his athleticism can play out in Oakland. I mean, in LA, I have no idea how that team is 11 and 22, but, um, as Brad Johnson tweeted out this morning and they should be so much better. And it's like, again, Mike Trout, we're not going to get to see him in the postseason. Uh, and what else are they going to do? Is Dylan Bundy going to get traded here? Uh, but I, that's where I'm curious. It, it, it's an opportunity for Barreto to do something, but I don't think it impacts Lestel at all. I think it's more of an impact down the lineup for Oakland. Uh, than it is anything else i
0: I don't know how the angels are 12 and 22 and i don't know how the athletics are 22 and 12 no injuries yeah that really that's the thing they've
1: had two pitching injuries all year that's that's been the magic is everybody else in the league is suffering through injuries and they're not yeah uh aj puck is not back aj puck and burt smith that's it those are their pitching injuries every you know (laughs) Tampa bay's got 12 oakland has two if you keep your guys healthy, and their bullpen is just... A, a Bert Schmidt's been the only loss.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm not trying to, like, shit on the A's at all. I, I thought they were a really good team coming in, but... Yeah. Like, Frankie Montas has really struggled as of late. Sean Maniah has struggled most of the year. Mike Fires has been, you know, Mike Fires whatever. Um, Marcus Simeon has struggled. Ramon Laureano has struggled. Like, they've got... Just, like, these key contributions from guys like Robbie Grossman and Steve Biscotti, and uh, it's just surprising to me that they are just running away. Well, I guess Astros have, you know, started to close the gap a little bit, though the Astros haven't played a game in, like, what, like a week or something like that, it seems. So and and that's, we, and,
1: that's, and they're going to have the the A's and Astros are postponed mm-hmm. today because somebody in Oakland positive uh, COVID test. So you oh, figure that it's Oakland player. Okay. Uh, and so that's going to impact a couple. Uh, you figure that's going to impact at least tomorrow, uh, and you know maybe two mm-hmm. or three games. Uh,
0: so that's happening too. So definitely uh, be aware of that if you're playing in weekly or biweekly uh, weekly games like NFBC. Um, all right. One of the trades that happened recently is that Mitch Moreland trade. Uh, he was sent over to San Diego. Uh, Bobby Dalbach one of their top prospects in Boston is brought up to replace him on the roster. Uh, what do you think the impact here of Mitch Moreland is to San Diego? Uh,
1: negative. I, we're, we're actually talking about this on the, uh, uh, on the HQ podcast, because it really, it literally came through as we were wrapping, as we were wrapping up, was one of the last things we talked about. And uh, when you try to to look at it, it's not like San Diego was having run production problems. It's the you know, run prevention problems was more of their issue. But it's like when you try to look through it and say, okay, what's going to happen here? Maybe it's uh, it's a matter of he's going to play, he's going to take over Josh Naylor's role and just be the DH yeah. because you know Eric Hosmer not moving. Uh, and they have – that's really where it's going to come is he's just going to be a, a full-time DH against – at least against the the righty pitchers. So that's where it goes. So if anything, it's uh, – I think it's a slight ding on him only because of the change in, in scenery because, he, you know again, when you get to play in the AL East uh, and your home ballpark is what it is and your – and the road parks are what they are, uh, that's certainly going to – that's certainly going to help. And he's been unbelievable this year, uh, Moreland. And so – And uh, you figure when he comes up, if he's going to hit, he's going to move up to maybe the sixth spot and maybe shove Cronenworth down. So Mm -hmm. you take, you put Moreland sixth and then Cronenworth or the profile, maybe Cronenworth takes a, a spot down. So they have some left, right, left, right, instead of back to back lefties like that. But. If anything, that's a slight decrease for Moreland. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, Dalback could come up and do what Shavis did last year. Uh, you know, they've done a lot of work with him uh, on the and the minors. And, you know, Shavis came up and had an immediate impact on that roster, obviously has a lot of power. And they're going to give him a chance to play every day uh, and, you know, see what happens. He struggled to hit for average, uh, but dude has power. Uh, and what else do they have to lose in Boston? So I think he comes up and plays every day. And if you're hurting from run production,
0: you give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck is a straight power play. <laughs> RBIs, home runs, that's that's his uh that's his MO. The question, like you said, will be you know, will he strike out too much to make a difference? Dave uh, Kingman, baby. Yep. So uh <laughs> if if you're looking for power and ale only, uh Bobby Dahlbeck is gonna be the guy you wanna go in on. I agree with you, I think this kinda hurts Moreland long term. I'm surprised they got what they got. Uh in the trade because the prospects going over I believe um, if I can pull it up our HUD was it Hudson head uh, is a guy I, I like a lot but um, it's uh yeah I, I I don't know that this helps Moreland I guess NL only he's gonna be one of the big bids uh, tonight so that'll that'll be uh interesting I don't have enough fab and tau and to even care like i traded fab this morning for michael waka like that's how little fab i have left so ooh, wait well, i actually like michael
1: waka the rest of the way i do
0: too i traded a hundred dollars of fab um of the 207 i had left uh it's like if you just go to the stat cast and do an expected stat
1: and look mm-hmm. and it's like michael waka is like he should he's pitching better than the results show it's like yep. i was want. i like you look at like yeah, that looks like he's. I would take on opposite end of the spectrum. Dallas Keuchel. It's like Keuchel really? yeah! and then you look at Walker. You're like, oh, you know, time to take another shot of. I just wish I was in a National League where it made a damn.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think he has a. Well this year. I think he's got a two-step this week too. So definitely a guy that. In deeper formats uh, you're gonna want to take a look at I'm double-checking that as I speak so yeah he or no he's got he's got a Wednesday start this week which means he'll have a two-step next week That's what it is so alright uh, let's go ahead and move on over to another trade that is uh, been finalized this morning Tommy Malone has been sent for two players to be named later uh, which means they aren't in the 60 man player pool for Atlanta uh, any interest in Malone moving over to Atlanta now? He's pitched
1: incredibly well this year, uh, with the, especially with the changeup, the way he's played it. Our buddy Alex Fast was on the Masson broadcast yesterday talking about it. Uh, what's fascinating to me about Tommy Malone? Uh, let's see three, four, five, six, seven—that's his eighth organization in ten years: <laughs> Minnesota, Oakland, Washington, Mets, Seattle, Baltimore, Milwaukee, and now Atlanta. Eight organizations in ten years. I feel like I'm missing somebody there too. Uh, but that's you know, that's where he, the guy. Hopefully, he just rents apartments and doesn't buy houses anywhere uh, because he keeps moving around. But uh, he's he was pitching successfully in a bad run environment. I mean, and what's really been impressive this year is the 31 to four strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, and you know, he doesn't he doesn't he barely registers on a radar gun, but he's doing the whole Tom Glavin thing of. Fastballs in, fastballs away, change-ups off the fastball. Uh, and it's it's been, a, you know, I've seen him pitch, I think, twice against the Rays. So I've seen uh, some of his entire outings. And he just keeps dudes off balance. Uh, and in a league where everybody is trying to pull fastballs, and he's just refusing to throw him. In uh, fastball counts, it, you know, that's where that's where he's having his success, his success. And I think it'll work. And the thing is, he gets to stay stay within the same division, and you would uh, he should get some uh, better run support uh, on things and better defense. I mean, it's not like it's not like the Orioles play great defense, uh, and so the, he should get helped out with that in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, uh, and I mean, the short porch in right field is. Uh... Won't be as big of a concern for him, um, being a lefty. So uh, I'm uh, I'm definitely intrigued in NL only. I think he's probably already rostered in the mixed leagues where he's viable there. But I think, I mean, this seems like a season where everybody needs pitching, right? There's just been so many injuries, so many blowups, uh, that if Malone's available in your league... Uh, he should he should probably be picked up. Let's see, what do they have next week? They have Boston and Washington. So, uh, that is not necessarily teams you you need to run away from. Uh, well,
1: it's like you know, and that gets back to like the whole Lance Lynn trade rumors. Yeah, know,
0: I think somebody was saying. I think maybe it was
1: Rosenthal was saying that you know, they the uh, Rangers may be able to get one top one hundred prospect out of him. I'm like, really? No, they'll I get mean, more than that. That that to me it's like when I looked at it, I tweeted it out yesterday. it's like my my F war. Only Jacob Degrom's been better than Lance Lynn mm-hmm. started last year. I mean, Lance Lynn has been a hoss, yeah. Uh, and it's been pitching with off the fastball as much as he is. And it's like, and he's only due ten million from now until the end of next season. But when he comes a yeah. free agent again, it's like you know, whatever, I I will pay that. You know, I'll give you two top one hundred prospects if I have a deep organization. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I would love for Tampa Bay to make that deal because, again, he's the guy that I wanted them to give them. They end up giving it Charlie Morton. But Lance Lynn was my primary pitching target heading into the 2019 season. That's the guy that I wanted them to acquire. They gave it to Morton. It's worked out well, obviously. But if they can go then take some of this uh, organizational depth and go get that guy because every other pitcher
0: they have is falling
1: apart (laughs) – I'm happy with it. Go ahead and do it.
0: There are going to be too many buyers and not enough sellers. And how yeah. active things have already been. I've been saying this for a few weeks now. Like uh, with the amount, they're, they're, with the expanded playoffs, there's just too many teams that are competing for a playoff spot. There's there are rumors today that the Giants are going to be buyers at the deadline. <laughs> like that is insane, stupid, and insane. Um, so yeah, no, I mean they're gonna, there's going to be a team that overpays for a guy like Lancelin, especially considering he's not a rental. You get him for another year, uh, and like you said, he's just been fantastic. So I'm I, I don't buy this. He'd only he only, he might get a top 100 prospect. That that's ridiculous to me. Uh, let's uh, let's move away from the trades for now uh, and talk about Jordan Romano who heads to the IL uh, and he had been closing in Toronto. So the question uh, becomes. Who closes in toronto wow uh
1: it's a shame too because man he has looked so, i was so impressed with what i've seen out of romano that's that's the sad thing i mean he looked to me looked so good uh in what he was doing and so um who closes in toronto i can't even
0: <laughs> I, just, yeah, <laughs> I, I got the easy answer for you it's gonna be ken giles ken giles is working his way up uh, back i mean uh, Rafael Dolis, I think, got a save the other night. Uh, Anthony yeah, I, think Best. He's the next,
1: I think he's the next man up. And if, if, yeah. if Giles is coming back, if the forearm is going to be okay, then great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that He was obviously be the next guy up. I mean, and he opened the other day. But the guy that I've been most impressed with there, we talked about last week, mm-hmm. was Julian Merriweather. And then he opened this week and looked really good in his opener role, too. And so, like, he's got stuff there, too. Uh, but if Giles is going to come back, that is the easy answer. And Dolise and has looked good um, in his role. But, again, I, I I liked what I saw from Julian Merriweather in his opening appearance this week as well.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think I would invest too strongly in either Bass or Dolis. I mean, unless they're virtually free, which they might be in a few leagues, uh, you can, you know, try to get a few saves in the meantime. But uh, Giles is working his way back. I, I don't think that this is going to be... Uh, one of their jobs for very long so i wouldn't worry too much and i mean it also wouldn't surprise me to see the blue jays go out and get some more bullpen help at the deadline so i mean they're a team that seemingly right in the mix after a really slow start uh and fangrass has them as a 75 percent chance to make the playoffs. so uh yeah i think they'll be a team that's probably active at the deadline Let's uh, let's talk about the last trade so far until more trades happen during the podcast, and that's Jose Martinez to Chicago, which makes you sad, Jason. So it
1: does make me sad because uh, I've wanted Tampa Bay to acquire this guy for quite some time, and they have him. And then he uh, frankly hasn't performed as I hoped he w- hoped he would. But uh, you know, a friend of mine on Twitter, Steve Consella, makes a good point. They acquired him because the division was supposed to be full of lefty starting pitching, and it's not. Sale out, Rodriguez out, you know, different lefty starting pitching is down. And that's his strength. I mean, Martinez has this reputation and well-earned. If you look at his numbers, hits lefty pitching well. Um, but it comes with a penalty of he doesn't play defense anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's, you know, an issue on the base pass and you lose some flexibility. And we, if you've watched Tampa Bay or follow him, you know, they value flexibility, defense, running. And, and they've got a few types of that of... Choi, who's serviceable at first base, uh, but you got a pinch run for him. And, and Susugo, who is air quotes serviceable in the field, but you got a pinch run for him. And Yandy Diaz, who is air quotes serviceable in the field, uh, throws well, but can't move. And, uh, you know, you've got a pinch run for him. And uh, they have a number of these types. You know, they make the trade for Brett Phillips the other day, and now he's got to go through uh, testing and everything to get. So it may be a few days before he gets to the team. Uh, and, and so they're clearly looking for some more flexibility and athleticism. I mean, overall, the team has struggled offensively, uh, when they're not facing Boston uh, or Toronto and Buffalo, uh, you know, that's where they've been able to do really well. But they're they're scoring just enough runs. Uh, but one thing that's been particularly painful is is the lefty starting pitching. I and mean, I mentioned Tommy Malone, uh, those types of outings, that's where, you know, those are the types of guys that have hurt him. Martinez was supposed to fix that, and he hasn't. Uh, and so they need some roster flexibility. And so they trade him for two guys to be named later and they move up Randy or Reina, who gives them a, a more athletic outfielder that they can use in these pinch running situations for, uh, for Choi and for Diaz and forces to go later in games. Cause right now it's been like a lot of, Hunter Renfro pinch running for these guys and yeah, Hunter <laughs> Renfro's got some but that's been the pinch runner because Manny Margot has been playing a lot and so mm-hmm. normally you would think about him being the guy but he's hitting a, very well since coming back from uh, bereavement list with his father passing away. You have to think that was weighing on him early on but that's where you know, they lost that particular skill and they need more guys and that's one of the reasons why they acquired DeRozan Random was for that uh, particular thing and they're viewing that as now and in fact they called him up today. He's on the, he's on the active
0: roster. There you go. Uh, let's, uh, I mean, does, uh, before we talk about Margot, uh, in a little bit more detail, uh, does Jose Martinez move the needle in NL only? Uh,
1: if he could start hitting better, uh, <laughs> but that's you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't making the most of his opportunities. So I don't mm-hmm. think he moves the needle, um, in an NL only league. I'd take, you know, obviously he's crossing over. You want to take a, a shot at him, but you know, he wasn't, he just hasn't been hitting well uh, this year in the,
0: in the irregular playing time he was receiving from Tampa Bay. Yeah, probably short side platoon at the DH position there in Chicago. So that is what it is. Let's talk more about Manny Margot, uh, who, like you said, has been hot as of late. Does this mean he's actually going to continue to get more run while he's hot? Could he carve in a full-time role at some point? Um, I think he can. I mean, he has been.
1: They obviously they need the help in doing it. He's been. Uh, I made an acquisition for him uh, in my home league yesterday. Uh, so he, again, his numbers were so terrible early on. I mean, really, really bad. And then he went away. His father passed away. He came back, and then he's been red hot. Uh, since then, and the at-bats, the at-bats have looked better and even the defense and that, that's what was really keeping him off the field. The defense was bad too. Uh, he comes, you know, he came with a reputation of being a good fielder, but his reads, uh, were not good. I thought maybe some of that was just Tropicana field, mm-hmm. uh, being a rough on him. Uh, but he's had, he's had some issues, um, in, uh, out and right, but he's supposed to be the insurance policy for when Kevin Kiermaier uh, gets, uh, <laughs> when, when, when he gets hurt. Uh, and, but now they have Brett Phillips who can also do the same thing. So they, you know, they're, they're making this focus now on turning what was a plotting overall team. And now they've got a Rosarena and Phillips and Margot and Kiermaier. So like they're, they're it seems like they're changing focus within the season here, but and it may be whoever's hot is going to be in the lineup but right now. That's Margot.
0: Yeah. He's sitting 300, 364, 412 on the season. Um, and, I mean, the, the hard part is he's just not going to get the everyday playing time in Tampa that he would likely get uh, at other places. And I think people have kind of forgotten, like, this was a top, like, 50 prospect, even top 20 prospect, I think, at some places, uh, you know, especially for fantasy because of the, the speed he's got. I think he becomes rosterable in 15-team mixed leagues as long as he's getting run because he can be a difference maker in that stolen base department. And like you mentioned earlier, like that's where you can really move a needle fast uh, in the standings uh, right now. So uh, I actually have some bids on him in a few NFBC leagues. Uh, I'm not playing any AL only, so I don't have him there. But uh, definitely a guy that you just got to kind of ride it while it's hot, but it's going to be frustrating because you go over and look at the Tampa Bay roster resource page, and there's a lot of platooning going on right now.
1: A ton of it. And and really it comes down to, you know, what they're going to be able to do. Uh, the the team, And we talked about it before the season, though. It was like when we said, okay, here, it's Austin Meadows and it's Willie Adamas as your everyday players. After that, it's all bets are off, and that's really how it's played out. Although Brandon Lau has been left in there every day out of necessity, uh, and Yandi Diaz for the most part, but it is it is a platoon situation, true and true. Uh, with you know Brasso uh, hitting against lefties, but this is this is how the team is being how it's played out exactly how we thought it would. <laughs> that's the thing we said it would be running back by committee type of situation to borrow the the fantasy football, and it's exactly how it's played out.
0: We talked about it at length coming into the season. This is why I was pretty much avoiding everybody uh, in that race offense except for Austin Meadows. Meadows The thing is, those two
1: regulars are not playing well either. Austin Meadows has really struggled, Mm -hmm. uh, bouncing back from COVID, and
0: Willie Adamas has yet to to show up offensively for Mm -hmm. the most part. Yeah. Meadows is going to come at a discount next year, and I'm going to be all over that. Um, Alright, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, some more fab pickups for the week Ian Anderson figures to be the biggest fab pickup of the week in mixed leagues uh, A nice debut, uh, only allowing one run on one hit Six strikeouts, two walks in six innings versus the Yankees So if you need starting pitching, which I think a lot of fantasy players need right now Are you just blowing all your fab on Ian Anderson right now? Sure, but
1: was it the Yankees, though, really? I mean, look at the yeah. Yankee lineup right now. It is, I mean, look at what the look what the Mets are doing. The Yankee lineup is not in a good situation right now. No Stanton, no Judge. I, I don't even think, well, Mayhew was back in that lineup at that point. I think he was he not. Came back.
0: Okay, yeah, so it's like... The, the lineup was Voight, Wade, Andujar, Mike Ford, uh, Estrada, Gary Sanchez, Brett Gardner, Aaron Hicks, Talkman, and Urshela.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, Voight should be leading the league in OBP because I'm not even pitching to him right now. <laughs> What's the uh, series? He's the one
0: guy that and can he hit the home run. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had the, and, he, yeah. you know, yep. he had that and, one and hit. Now,
1: and now, I mean, LeMahieu's back. So obviously that's a factor. But honestly, it's like you look at that lineup and you pick who you're sure going to pitch understand. to. Yeah. No, I'm not talking to you, Siri. Sorry. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's like you pick up the guy who's going to hurt you, and Lou White stands out like a sore thumb. Uh, now, Mayhew's back. There's another guy that you don't, really don't want to deal with, but that's the, the thing. It's like, and the uh, I, I saw that uh, our friends at Pitcher List were like, "Yeah, it was a decent outing by him." And but, and that's the thing. It's like. Yeah, it's the Yankees, but it's Yankees on paper. But a name, but on paper, you're like, yeah, good God, this lineup is terrible. Uh, you know, not to besmirch the the no hitter thrown by Lucas Giolito, but look at that lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, one of our friends on maybe it was uh, Matthew uh, Polio of uh, uh, Roto World took a hit from saying, yeah, look at this lineup, but he was right. Mm-hmm. Terrible lineup, but uh, yeah, that's. I want to see Ian Anderson pitch again against a team that's not rolling out a, a a Yankee lineup from the early 1990s before it was rebuilt. You know, all these names, and you're like, okay. But I had to I had to check my glasses. I'm like, wait,
0: Jordy Mercer is playing for the Yankees now? I didn't even Whoa. know he was on the Yankees. He, here's the thing. He's going to get Boston next. Ooh. And then, uh, yeah. and then he's, he's going to get Boston gonna...
1: without, without their best hitter.
0: <laughs> and then he's going to get a two-step of – uh, the Marlins and the Nationals the week after. Yeah, I'm and then he's gonna get that. the Orioles. Yeah, buy up. And then Honestly, he's gonna up. get the Marlins again. Like uh, this is like this is the time right now. Like if you still have Fab left, and you shouldn't, you should have been aggressive throughout the year. But there are leagues where you still have Fab left. I think it's t- and you need pitching. It's time to go in on, all in on Ian Anderson personally like yeah. 80% of your remaining fab, you know, if 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 you need one pitcher, one starter, you you know, you're not hurting a closer, uh, you know, you, you you know, there's no off not a lot of offense out there to go get anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think Ian Anderson's the guy to take the gamble on. Yes, it was a bad lineup. He's going to face a lot of bad lineups the rest of the way. Uh, and he's one of their top pitching prospects for a reason. Uh, I, I'm buying in on, on Anderson especially with the schedule coming up for him. Good point. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Josh Fleming, one of your guys over in Tampa Bay. Uh, this was kind of a surprising one to me because I had no idea who Josh Fleming was.
1: <laughs> Truth be told, I didn't either until last week.
0: <laughs> so, like, and I'm I'm pretty uh, in tune with the minor leagues and, and and you know the the with how deep of leagues I play in, I tend to know pretty much every guy on every team. So. Uh, but been impressive so far. Are you buying in on Josh Fleming? Cause it looks like he's in the rotation for now.
1: He's in the rotation for now. Um, and the thing with Josh Fleming background division three pitcher from, uh, little middle of nowhere, Missouri. Uh, but you, Two, two major league starts, two major league wins, you know, good for him. Uh, but with, when you watch him pitch and like, even on the broadcast, they make comparisons to Ryan Yarbrough. But I think a lot of Yarbrough stuff is like his weird arm motion and the crossfire, neither of which uh, Fleming uses. I mean, Fleming is sinker, sinker, slider, changeup. I mean, ultimately, I think a ceiling as a, a reliever and a back end guy. Because he truly has to hit his spots. If you watch his pitch plot, if you go back to this uh, baseball savant and look at his pitch plot yesterday, it's like, it's you know, sinkers in, sliders away, and the changeup is really a show-me pitch. No, I don't even think he had a swing at it. Uh, It really was just, oh, I'm up two strikes, let me throw it and see if I can get anything. And the Marlins weren't biting on it. But he his his pitch plot was an absence of pitch, pitches in the strike zone. It was all on the black, and that's that's what he needs to be successful. He has to come into the strike zone. That's not going to work. He just doesn't have the stuff. I mean, he tops out at like 91, and there's not a lot of movement to his stuff. But it's like he executes what he has very well, and as long as he can hit his spots like that, uh, first time through. Now, I would be worried. I know they have the Marlins coming up again, and I think he has an outing. That's one to watch for me. Because, you know, the Marlins are really bad against lefty in the starting pitching. I mean, worse than the league across the board. <clears throat> and so, like, he was a sneaky DFS play yesterday uh, if you wanted to get something on a cheap and you, were, and you were awarded for it. So they are really bad against lefties. But the second time, this is the kind of lefty that they should be able to jump on the next time because they've seen it and they now know what's going to come up. Now, they may only get two plate appearances against them, but they know this is what he does. You know, if we can get a fastball early in the count, swing at it, because it may be the only one you see the rest of the at-bat um, uh, with it. So I, I'd be curious to see how he matches up next time around against a team that is really, really bad against lefties. But he walks a fine line between success and disaster outing to me.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing for me. It's like, I just don't think there's enough upside here to warrant, like, uh, the the potential downside. And, like, so, for instance, like, I in one of my main event leagues, like, Fleming is obviously available, Ian Anderson is obviously available, uh, and someone dropped Robbie Ray. Now, I'm not going to get Ian Anderson. I just don't have the fab left in order to do it. But, you know, so I'm having to make the decision who I'd rather have, which guy would I rather have on my team, The Robbie Ray, who's just been atrocious here. But I know he's going to get me strikeouts, or Josh Fleming, who, you know, looked good in that first start, but I just don't think I trust a ton and the upside isn't there. And so I'm I'm leaning towards Ray, but uh, I can understand people who are going to be en- who are going to end up leaning towards Fleming.
1: <laughs> Robbie Ray's a little. I mean, Robbie Ray, somebody we should talk about real quick, because you figure he's you figure he's going to get traded. Right, You figure he's at least – and maybe the change of scenery doesn't – I keep hearing actually, oh, hey, a change of scenery will do him good. But it's like one of these things is like what's going to do him good? Because the first thought may be like, hey, he just won't pitch deep into the game anymore and somebody will not leave him out their third time through, which has always been a problem for him. And sure, the 1869 ERA that he has third time through the order because he's allowed seven hits and 28 batters faced and nine earned runs – All right, take that away. That'll do good. But his first time through the order, he's got a 692 ERA. The league's hitting 294 against him with a 413 OBP and a 627 slug. Second time through, 189, even a 349, because the guy just can't stop walking people. He has 11 walks first time through, 12 second time through, and eight third time through. So none of this is going to matter if he doesn't stop walking people. So even if they send him somewhere else and say, okay, look, dude, you're only going to pitch 15 batters. It's not like the first trip through the lineup has been a joy uh, to for him for owners as well. So that's where I'm like you know make a trade see what you could get maybe but it's just like man a change the scenery doesn't automatically put me into robbie ray because sure he's striking out dudes but it's just being completely negated by him walking
0: guys and leaving too many opportunities for damage on base oh yeah i'm, I'm not necessarily advocating for robbie Ray either. um I, well, i've just seen some noise on twitter about oh hey it's like
1: okay fine yeah well sorry, i think but, like where's because... the upside here
0: I think because the one of the teams that's been most strongly linked to him is the Astros and how great of a job the Astros have done uh, in recent history in terms of kind of just taking other teams' garbage and you know making them into uh, studs on the mound. But, I mean, he has nine walks per nine.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Astros have been like, hey, Josh James, you're frustrating. Let's add Robbie Ray to this picture, too. And see what happens. I mean, even the thing is, and it's the it's the lefties, like if he could come in there and face the loaded, and he's still good against lefties, that's the thing. It's like if I can get Robbie Ray, uh, if I can get a lineup where I can use him against a lot of lefties, great. But, I mean, the righties, his righty slash line this year, 271, 443, 624. It's
0: like, oh, my God, really? 27 of his 31 walks have come to right-handed hitters. There's so many people who are in on him because of the mechanical changes. He had uh, apparently made kind of in, in the off season. Yeah,
1: the short arm. He, he got rid of the short arm. Uh, the, he got rid of the long arm swing and went to mm-hmm. a short one. And, and and like if you've watched, I've watched two of his outings. I and mean, are like, you can see there are times within an outing. You're like, yeah, that works. I mean, even though he's, he's throwing, he was throwing harder. So there was two things. He got rid of the long arm swing and he was throwing harder. So you're like, OK, good. I, I'm intrigued. Let's watch this. But then it gets back to my favorite thing. It's like, okay, here's the catcher setting up low and inside, and the pitch is high and outside. It's like, oh, yeah, it's still Robbie Ray. Can't hit his spots. Uh, and then against righties, I mean, it's it's always, he's never had a changeup. So it's always been two different breaking balls. So he throws the fastball and the two different breaking balls. Um, and, but righty, it's just, it's not working against righties until he, honestly, I am, I have no interest in Robbie Ray until he actually has an off speed pitch that he can work against righties because the two breaking ball things. Worked for a little bit, but we're right back to we're right back to the Robbie Ray that drove all of us nuts.
0: Yeah, and this isn't a matter of getting unlucky either. His XERA is uh, six seventy one, and his Statcast page is cold ice blue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's got fastball velocity, fastball spin, and then it's everything else is pretty. He good need, he needs to change the scenery, but he needs like a complete rebuild. I mean, this is like.
1: Corbin, you see me tweeting about Corbin Burns and the rebuild that Milwaukee's done with him. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the the big thing with Corbin Burns uh, is you know he was throwing the slider, but he also threw that four seamer that had cut to it. So it's like you had two pitches that looked the same. It's like okay, I can I can guess one, I can adjust to the other. And then it far he's, he's added the sinker this year, and now he's got you know as you know said peeling the banana. Now he's coming high with the four. He straightened out his four seamer, added the sinker, and now he's got the slider. Plus he throws six pitches in total. And so he's like the, the you Darvish light in that regard where you really don't know what he's going to throw at you, but he's covering all aspects of the zone. Whereas with, with Robbie Ray, if you're a righty, you pretty much know where what's coming and where it's going.
0: Let's uh, let's move over to one of the bigger fab pickups in, in majority of the leagues uh, from the hitter side. Uh, and let's talk about Gavin Lux because Gavin Lux got sent down. I mean, he was a fairly high draft pick before the, the talk of him being sent down to the minor leagues or, or the alternative training site, whatever they're calling it. I still can't get used to that. Um, uh, and, you know, and then people had to just drop him. He came up for a doubleheader you know, this last week, and then he has been recalled, I think, yesterday, and it seems like he's here to stay. So uh, this is one of the few impact bats left, and if you are looking for offense... He's probably available in most mixed leagues at this point. How much are you willing to go in on Gavin Lux?
1: Yeah, and he's going to hit, and he's been back for the weekend. He's hit eighth and ninth, and that's what's going to happen, but... When you hit in front of Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Corey Ballen, uh, Cody Ballinger, Max Muncy, who cares? Uh, and you know he's probably going to be platooning the situation because they still want to get at they still want to get time for Kike Hernandez uh, as well uh, because even we look through the lineups, Kike has hit eighth and ninth on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then Lux uh, when he was recalled, uh, Lux hit. I'm sorry, on Thursday he hit eighth, on Saturday he hit eighth, Sunday he hit ninth. So this is. Uh, this is the situation you're using. I mean, Kike played center field one day, second base two of the days, and, and Lux has played second base three days. So we know what the situation is. He's going to hit the bottom of a loaded lineup against righty pitching.
0: Mm-hmm. And the hard part too is like there's been a lot of breakout stars at second base this year. I mean, Brandon Lau uh, being one of them that has just been fantastic. But you know, you also have guys like Donovan Solano. Uh, that have kind of emerged. And so second base is not a shallow position at all. If he was playing third, I'd be much more interested. Uh, and I do worry. I, I worry less about where he's hitting in the lineup because, like you said, the guys who are going to be hitting behind him are going to be pretty amazing and more about the fact that I think he will end up platooning way too much. Uh, and that that is a bit concerning. However, this is... One of the, you know, a former top prospect, one of the, you know, brightest prospects in the game. Uh, a top 10 guy uh, in baseball. He's got power. He's got speed. I think he's worth a gamble in 15 mix. Uh, and I think uh, people should be aggressive. I, I, I know in the leagues where he's available, 12-team, 15-team mix, uh, I'm going to be aggressive on him. Just because I think the upside... Is there, and I just don't know that there's going to be a ton more coming up that that can you know really be difference makers uh, offensively like that.
1: Exactly. I mean, yeah, you're running. We're running out of time
0: uh, mm-hmm. with things. You just have to
1: go grab, go grab what you can and maximize what's left because we have four weeks left. I mean, mm-hmm. September first is Tuesday. It still blows my mind. September first is Tuesday. But yeah, that's
0: where we're at. Well, and like. There are spots in this lineup where he can move up if he starts hitting well. I mean, there's no reason that the way Jock Peterson's been hitting, the way you know Will Smith has been, you know, was hitting before he went on the IL and in really since he's back. AJ Pollock isn't a huge obstacle for him, and even Max Muncy, who's got a bunch of power <laughs> this year, but is hitting 198. Like, like there's no reason that he can't work his way up to the middle of that lineup and get more plate appearances per game. So, uh, I think, I think Lux is kind of worth uh, a little bit of the price. Another former top prospect that has been kind of ignored largely in fantasy circles, uh, until, or well, uh, the last year or so, is Delvey Garcia. Uh, he's the top pro- top pitching prospect for the Yankees. He's getting the call as well. Any interest in Garcia?
1: Uh, and I saw some a- note about him being the second youngest Yankee starting pitcher uh, since uh, to make his debut since uh, Phil Hughes in like 2006. I mean, a lot of people were looking at this saying this was going to be Clark Schmidt, but still no Clark Schmidt. Uh, and maybe it's you know, maybe it's because I don't I don't see a, you know, uh, saw a friend uh, Hanselman was uh, our friend Hanselman was saying that maybe they, they want to hide the fact that uh, Schmidt doesn't have you know his, his secondary pitches aren't there. But, you know, Garcia is the one that's come up. And yeah, if you want to I have not I have I don't recall seeing him pitch in the spring. But if you want to statistically scout, holy crap. Yeah, uh, you know, the numbers are, are definitely there when you look at when you want to look at what he did. I mean, last year in 93 and two thirds innings, he struck out 132 batters. Uh, walked 52 as well. So it'll be interesting to see he has the stuff to collect the strikeouts and the fact that they're allowing him to pitch at 21 years, three months and 12 days old uh, is, is, is saying something. The Yankees, I mean, we were joking around about their offense being a mess. I mean, I I saw somebody else tweet yesterday that yesterday was the, and the the wild pitch walk-off was their first win against a non last place team in over two weeks. Wow. Yeah. They, they beat up on Boston a bunch. Uh, and you know, that they are able to beat up on Boston and another, uh, low performing team, but that's where the Yankees were getting a lot of their beef is, is beating up on Boston pitching. Then they came into Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay, or they, they played Tampa Bay and they got swept out of that. Uh, and they've, they've struggled. And so, uh, you know, this matchup against the Mets will be intriguing for Garcia because he's not, uh, I mean, that, that lineup's not a slouch. Uh, you Alonzo has struggled, but Dom Smith has been hitting incredibly well. Uh, and, you know, it's been a very interesting series between these two teams. I mean, two to one uh, in that stadium with that pitching and, and the the potential of the lineups. It's just been, you know, the two to one game was solo home run by Voight, solo home run by Ramirez and a walk off wild pitch. That was the game.
0: Yeah, I like Garcia a lot uh, from a straight stuff perspective. He's small. <laughs> I mean, he's small, and he walks a lot of guys, so, like, those, uh, he's only 5'9", or we have him listed at 5'9", which means he's probably closer to 5'7", um, hmm. so, he, you know, uh, he he's a real small guy, and I do worry, like, I think a lot of people have him in Dynasty Leagues, I think this is the time to sell him in Dynasty, um, especially if he comes out and, and delivers, like, a really, really nice first outing, uh, you know, teams haven't seen him before, but... I mean, this is a guy who struggles with his uh, with his command. Um, when the command is on, you see uh, why he is one of the top prospects in baseball. But when the command is off, uh, it's it's not good. And then, like I said, he's a small guy. I just worry about as a starter, can he hold up long term? Uh, only being probably you know five eight something like that. Uh, so. I think in, I mean, obviously in NFBC, I don't believe he's in the system for tonight's pickups. So we're we're talking non-NFBC leagues, people who play Yahoo, ESPN, uh, CBS, things like that. I would try to sneak him through for a dollar or two in a redraft and just kind of hold him. I wouldn't start him for the first start and then uh, just kind of see what happens and see how he looks. But in Dynasty, I'm hoping he has a really nice first outing so I can try to flip him. For what should be a mint,
1: be nice. I mean the short the short starting thing is is really tough to overcome, and those guys typically end up in more of a swing roll eventually. So, um, but interesting to see. I mean, I've honestly I've been impressed. I know the results haven't been there for all the guys, but I've been impressed with what the Yankees have called up. I mean. I like what I see from Nick Nelson. You can see the pieces and the potential there for Nick Nelson uh, and Michael King. It's just the the results haven't been there uh, yet. But watch those, especially Nelson. I mean, Nelson, if he gets in there throwing 97, 98, none of it really straight. I've just been impressed with watching him pitch. Uh, and, I, and I have him in tout. In fact, I have Michael King. I have both those guys in tout. But just after watching them pitch, saying, wow, I mean, there's potential – uh, it just got to see results come through, but the, you know, the the they have they have the kind of active arms, but with with youth and inexperience, experience beca- uh, comes inconsistency. Yep.
0: Yeah. Let's uh let's move over to another guy who is a uh, a young starting pitcher. Tony Gonsolin uh, is being uh, recalled. I believe he's pitching today, but yes. uh, it sounds like he's going to stay in the rotation for at least another turn. So. Uh, I think he's, I mean, when he's been on the mound, he has been fantastic. The, the question has been with him is he, he, how long can he stay in the rotation for the Dodgers? They just have so many pieces, but Ross Stripling has been atrocious this year. Uh, and I, I know the Dodgers don't necessarily have much pressure put on them in, you know, for a playoff spot and really the division, uh, though the Padres m- may disagree with that. Uh, is Gonson a guy that you think you would uh, throw some fab at because if he can stay in the rotation, he could be a really nice piece on a really nice team?
1: Yeah, I'd like, i really liked him coming into the season. Uh, somebody that I had to the Bold Prediction Series as as the guy for the, the Dodger pitching staff. I like what I've seen from him. Uh, and so I would be, in a, if I could add him, if it wasn't already in a, like an NL Keeper League situation where I can get him now uh, and, and have him down the line, if I could pick him up cheaply, like in Fab this weekend, grab them for like five or fewer dollars, uh, and 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 have them for the long term. I'd be very interested in that. I'm not willing to. I'm not going to you know, throw a bunch of stuff to get them now. I'm more interested
0: in a long term play than I am just the immediacy. Okay. Uh, uh, speaking of a long term play, uh, Michael Pineda is going to be back here pretty soon. Um, Pineda has been suspended or serving out a suspension. Um, uh, the Twins have been in the, uh, reportedly in the market for starting pitching, so, and we have no idea what Pineda looks like in terms of, will he be able to go more than a few innings, but he has been an effective uh, starter at times in his career, and other times he's been Robbie Ray, so what are you doing with Pineda? Yeah, that's, and he's a good example, he's the guy
1: that I don't want to, he should not stay in there for a third time through. Michael Pineda's is a two pitch guy and Michael Pineda should face 15 to 18 batters when he's ready to. And I don't think that's right now, but 15 to 18 and get him out. Uh, Minnesota has the type of bullpen normally uh, that can work around that, but they do need to make some acquisition uh, acquisition as well. Uh, I don't know. We've seen so many guys struggle with the long, with the layoff and then just to come back in uh, and, and and jump into it. So yeah I, I it's it's tough to fade him because the run support uh should be there for him i just don't think he's got the stuff to go five innings right now and that made that that's not what minnesota needs
0: yeah i i kind of agree and i've been a Panada detractor for forever <laughs> like so i'm i'm not gonna be like buying in on this he, he was good last year i mean especially for him uh but the amount of home runs he just gives up is just infuriating. Uh, and we have no idea, like you said, like what his potential uh, innings or uh, pitch limits are going to be, especially early on. We only have like what three and a half weeks left in the season. Is this the guy that I want to pin my hopes on? I mean, maybe you put a buck or two on him, and if you have room on your reserve list, you throw him there, but I don't think. I'm that interested other than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cedric Mullins is uh, a guy that was like last year's uh, sleeper pick for a lot of people in fantasy. Uh, and it, it didn't pan out very well for him last year or for people who drafted him. But he's been pretty decent in playing pretty much every day uh, for the last you know week or two. In Baltimore, is Mullins a guy? He's got power. He's got speed. Already three stolen bases on the year. Is this a guy that you're willing to go grab?
1: Uh, I have him in labor, uh and I think I have him labor in a, my local AL league. And and really, it's because he was playing every day, and I needed an outfield spot. I mean, what's what's been impressive with him is the bunt hits. He has six of them. He's attempted, and you know me, I hate bunts, but. This is if, if teams are going to give it to him, he's taking him. He's made eight of bunt attempts. He has six bunt hits. So that's what's fueling his batting average. If you look, I mean, last year it was bad. Uh, and, but if you look at this year, he's hitting 259 and that's coming off the bunts. Uh, that's where and as long as defenses are not going to sneak him up, then he'll keep doing it. And when he get on base, he's got three. He's got three steals. And so he is running when he gets on base, uh, and he's three for four in that department. So yeah, I'm interested because again, he's playing, he's getting on base, and uh, and and he's getting on base in front of the two best hitters in that lineup. You know, he's hitting ninth uh, most mostly, and he's getting on base in front of uh, in front of Alberto
0: and Santander. I got really excited because he led off three games last week yeah Uh, and then all (laughs) of a sudden nope nope, right back down uh so i mean it's gonna be hard for him to accrue you know runs and rbis when he's hitting ninth for the orioles so i mean
1: yeah but like i said he's hitting he's hitting in front of the top of that lineup that does mm -hmm. i mean say what you want about baltimore but they they can score uh, and, and the, he's sitting down, down in that lineup and uh, that's where they're getting, that's where he's got some benefit, but yeah, he, he was miscast as a leadoff guy. Uh, that's not what he's, It's not what he is, but, uh, and it's, it really comes down to, and I didn't see what types so I'm looking at it, like. Uh, Alberto, they've just decided it's just going to hit high in the lineup, because typically when they're facing a lefty, Alberto's the automatic leadoff hitter, uh, and for good reason, but even over this weekend, Saturday, you know, yesterday, and today, he's hitting leadoff again. Mullins is not in the lineup today, um, but he was, you know, he has been all week, but today's a day off for him, apparently.
0: Yeah, I'm... I I I picked him up in one of my main events last week. I, I don't know. I mean, he'll survive the cuts this week, but... I don't know that I would pick him up uh, in anything deep or anything shallower than a 15-team league. Uh, let's – uh, <laughs> the yearly question, it usually happens, I think, like in April or May, but Brandon Belt has been on a tear. So I have to ask for, like, I think the eighth straight year, is Brandon Belt good? <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw – so I saw something the other day
1: where by park factors – San Francisco's ballpark is now a top 10 offensive ballpark yeah. because they apparently did some structural changes mm-hmm. that have changed the wind patterns. So yes, I think he is now because, because the, the knock on Brandon Bell has always been, okay, yeah, the home ballpark is really tough. Doesn't it lefties in a home ballpark is a way down, but if they're going to, if it turned, I guess they closed some, they did something, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden it's now the seventh best offensive park by park factors this year. So yes,
0: Yeah, it's so weird. (laughs) Um, I I just don't really understand this at all. Uh, But this would be the year, you know, 2020 be the year he gets the 20 home runs finally. But um, no, he's got five home runs. He's in 329, 418, 620. Like, I haven't seen necessarily anything from him that makes me think that, like, he's made some huge adjustment. I think you're right. I think he is benefiting from. The change in park factors that when they moved the bullpens and made some structural changes to try to create a little bit more offense in San Francisco. Uh, Uh, Let's look at the last three years. Right, 2017
1: hit 225 with eight home runs at home. mm -hmm. 18 265 with eight home runs at home. 220 uh, 2019 228 with five homers this year. He's hit three home runs at home and is hitting four sixty nine. Yeah, <laughs>
0: just what? Yeah, I mean, and he's not really doing anything differently, and like that's the thing. I think it's just he's benefiting. I I, I honestly think this is a hot streak, and if you if you want to ride it, you can. Uh, but you may have already missed kind of the best from him. 22%
1: um, walk rate at home,
0: uh, out of yeah. nowhere. I mean, he's always had a double-digit walk rate, but his walk rate is sky-high right now,
1: mm-hmm. and he's making more contact. I mean, his, he's at a career-low strikeout rate at home. Again, 41 plate appearances, but a 585 OBP at home. But uh, he, just he's not a, just making walking, more contact. He's not striking out. Well, they, he's not striking out as much. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's not making more contact. His contact percentage has actually gone down. Um, he, I mean, he's swinging outside the zone a little bit less, but... We're talking, when you're hot it's
1: exactly what Yeah, you're ex- do. exactly. <laughs> he so he everything.
0: Um yeah, I mean, I th- this is a mirage, I think. Uh but uh, like you said, I think he is benefiting from the uh, the, the increased park. Fa- it's so weird that they would make the I mean, obviously they've been a team that or a, an organization that has dealt with uh you know, it being such a pitcher's park and having a hard time getting bats to want to come there uh so maybe that is the impetus for the change but it's such a weird change for them to have made uh in san francisco so uh yeah right the hot streak i guess i i, I don't think that um it's gonna sustain very long so be willing to jump off is as, as soon as uh he starts to cool down you start seeing three or four games where he's you know back to being the 200 220 hitter that he's been um mm-hmm. Then yeah, then just jump off. Let's uh let's finish up with Richard Rodriguez. Uh, he seems to be the guy in Pittsburgh for saves. Is he worth a pickup? Because they also have gone with other guys, and I mean they have nine wins. <laughs> like, are we really expecting them to get like five more save opportunities the rest of the way?
1: That's the yeah. That's Sure, take a shot on them and hope you hope you can get three saves out of them. But I mean, Nick Turley has had a save opportunity for them uh, of of late. Chris Stratton has pitched in high leverage of late. Your favorite guy, my boy. Uh, yeah, like sure, but oh my god, this team is so 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 bad,
0: and it's going to get worse, right? We we assume that they're going to move other pieces off of this team. Though I mean, looking at it, it's like I don't know who they could even move. You know, uh, they're gonna move yeah. Trevor Williams, I assume. They could move Chad Cole. Uh, I guess yeah. Derek Hollands. Like, but like, who in their offense are they gonna trade away?
1: No, that, this there's honestly I I can't even fathom. Oh, it's it's so bad. I mean this this lineup looks like. I don't even know what it looks like. I can't even, I just. You I mean, through really like, what What a value can somebody pick up? It's like, okay, maybe if you want Eric Gonzalez, you want some flexibility, you, you can trade Eric Gonzalez. Guy's mm-hmm. out of options. Uh, if you're looking for a catcher, like a backup, okay, go get Jacob Stallings if you want that type of thing. But, yikes. The Rays could use yikes, Stallings. Rays
0: could use any catcher with a pulse. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, no, I mean... If you can get, if you could sneak Rodriguez in for cheap in a deeper league, uh, go ahead. But I just don't think that that's necessarily going to happen, or even really be that beneficial for people moving yeah. forward. So. Set
1: the over under at two saves the rest
0: of the way. Yeah, and I think that I think that pretty much nails it. I, I would probably take the over, but that's just because two is such a hard number. <laughs> <laughs> Two's probably the right number. I had to push wow. on that one. Alright, yeah. uh, well that's going to wrap us up for this episode, um, I, unless I haven't seen any other trades go through in the last uh, last hour, so hopefully uh, uh, we missed it and it, well, this will be posted before seven or eight more uh, <laughs> um, uh, trades go through. But Paul and I will talk about the rest of those on Tuesday after the dra- uh, trade deadline has passed. Jason, what do you got going on?
1: Uh, I'm finishing up an article on the rebuild of Corbin Burns uh, because it's just been so impressive this year. Um, It is not, uh, I I would, I'm going to lead this by saying it's not a victory lap kind of recap because yeah, I was, Mm -hmm. he was in my bold predictions. He was somebody that I had in the value of the scrap heap because my next article on Rotowire is going to be about how wrong I was on Shane Bieber. So (laughs) it's like, I want to look at two different ways of the track to say, okay, this is why I said I like Burns and this is how he's rebuilt himself. And it's not, it's not, it's just a matter of, Hey, Guys can change, and, w- and if they make certain changes, this is how it can benefit. So I'm going into that, but then I'm looking again at Shane Bieber, a guy that I said was not a top 25 pitcher this year, who may Ooh. win the AL Cy Young. Oh yeah, I was. So I'm covering both ends of the spectrum on that, and looking into what you know, where, why I said what I said, and how it's come out. Uh, and so those are my next two pieces uh, that I'm working on uh, for RotoWire.
0: Nice. Uh, and I'm writing, you know, a bunch over at FanGraphs. I'm doing the Wrote a write up three to four times a week. The daily uh, article, daily DFS article, um, the daily overlay, three or four times a week. Uh, I wasn't able to do my FAB piece this weekend, unfortunately, because it was my daughter's birthday, and uh, that kind of uh, took a little bit of priority over it. So, but that'll be back next week. So, and you can always catch me on the Friends of Fancy Benefits podcast and TGFBI. Uh, that she turned two, right? This is no, this is my ten-year-old. Oh, okay. So no, my 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 uh, almost two year old turns two in October. So that's what it
1: was. I I knew it was like you know, I remember having this discussion around. Hey, should I go to First Pitch Arizona mm-hmm. or Beerhead? Like... <laughs> and yeah,
0: yeah, I'll yeah. never live the fa- that down that I went to First Pitch Arizona, <laughs> uh, my daughter's first birthday. My my wife's already mentioned it once this week, uh, and we're still what a month and a half away from. Her second birthday, and yeah, won't I'm, be doing
1: it again this year, though. No, oh,
0: I, don't, I mean, I doubt it's even happening, right? It's not. Yeah, it okay. isn't. No, that that's, <laughs> that's a bummer. Why, I was
1: like, man, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and you know, my family's gonna be like, hey, why are you home in October again? I th- <laughs> you normally go to. Ari- yes, I do normally go to
0: Arizona. I can't even go anywhere for college football games this year. Yeah, and we're we're not gonna be going. And well, be lucky if there are any college football games. But uh, well, they had some last night. Austin P played somebody. I
1: mean, and there oh, were really? Fans, the fans, oh, yeah. I, you know. Oh wow! I mean, okay. UCF is playing East Carolina here in my state in September 26, and if I go, I may sit in the upper deck in the top row and
0: be like a million miles away from everybody else. You couldn't pay me to go to a the live sporting event right now. Like there's just I add really have nowhere. no desire to go to a live sporting event right now. Like yeah, it just I wouldn't do it. But uh, that will wrap us up. Uh, Jason and I will be back uh, next week, uh, and then Paul and I will be back on Tuesday talking trade deadline seeing uh, what's happening because it it seems like it's going to be pretty active. Indeed.